The Women's Football Podcast, in partnership with Her Game 2. Welcome to the Women's Football Podcast, it's Warren, and this is our look at the women's game from the Champions League to the National League and beyond. Joining us, we have the editor of FAWSL Full Time, Dan Pentland, former Aston Villa and FA Comms officer, Emily Lyles, and a board member on the Bristol City Supporters Club and Trust and writer for Since 71, Shahan Mia. Thank you so much for coming on today, guys. It's lovely to see you all. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. Cheers. Yeah, uh, great to be back on the Women's Football Podcast. It's been a while since my last appearance on here. Excellent, Ace. We might as well just start and throw it in as this way. There was only two big fixtures for the top WSL teams this weekend, but lots of fun in the championship. So we will get onto that later. We're going to kick it off talking about the FA Cup semi-finals. Starting off on Saturday, we had Manchester United versus Brighton at Lee Sports Village, and Brighton really gave United scare. Brighton, playing under new head coach Melissa Phillips for the first time, held the lead at halftime thanks to Mary Earps' own goal as she could only direct via tricky Shari shot back into her own net. United equalised very quickly um, from Leah Galton, 47 seconds after the whistle for the second half as Leah Galton tapped home on Abadjie's cross. Alessia Russo then put United ahead, but the visitors levelled through Dan Carter. Second half substitute... Rachel Williams slotted past Lydia Williams in the 89th minute to settle an end-to-end game and see Manchester United head to Wembley for the first time in their history. Emily, Manchester United um, have only been founded for five years. This is their first appearance at a major final. Is it really exciting for them that they're going to have the true prospect of some silverware in a couple of weeks' time? Oh, it certainly is, isn't it? I think... The beauty of Man United is they, they've been on this journey, haven't they, where I know that there was a bit of criticism aimed at the club for a long time because they didn't have a women's setup, et cetera. But I think since they have, they've invested properly. They've done exceptionally well. They've risen really, really quickly. And I guess because of the nature of Manchester United as a club, they have a brilliant fan base, a vocal fan base and a, and a fan base that follows them. So I think that when you put all that together, it's a really, really exciting prospect. Um, they've got quality players across the park. And I think you also know you're going to get a really, really good atmosphere in that final at Wembley as well, which is really, really exciting. Dan, do you think that it's a positive that they were able to come out so strong in the second half and score that um, the equaliser um, almost instantly? Or do you think if you were Emma Hayes looking at this performance for not to spoil who who was the other team that went through to the final, but um, as people know, Chelsea Chelsea won won the reverse fixture. If you were Emma Hayes, would you be looking at this and thinking, well, we've got this in the bag because they the goal was sloppy that was um, conceded, and Manchester United weren't able to put away their chances in the in the sec- in the first half. Do you think that? It's a positive that they were able to respond or do you think it's worrying that they weren't able to create something? There's two sides to it, I think. I think, you know, at the end of the day, they've had the quality in the opposition box when they've they've needed to and they've got the goals that they've needed to. But, you know, two errors really and you can't make those in FA Cup semi-finals. They're very, very lucky to have got through that tie in the end. You know, Mary Epps with another bad one. You know, I feel like she's got to kind of hit the reset button you know, it, it, would, it wouldn't do her any harm to miss a game, to be honest, and kind of, 
you know, just take a step back. But with the big games coming up, that's going to be difficult. But, you know, I think it was Millie Turner on the second goal as well. You know, you can't be hesitant like that in the semi-final. And, you know, you're right. If they do that against Chelsea in the final, you know, they're probably going to be walking away from Wembley with absolutely nothing. So, you know, great that they could get the goals. They've got that quality, you know, the likes of Russo and Galton, who, you know, does really well against Brighton as well. But, you know, the other side of the coin is they've got to cut out those mistakes for the final. Otherwise, you know, they, they are going to be the losers at Wembley. Yeah, definitely. And I also don't don't want us to focus on on the kind of mistakes that were made by by Manchester United and say that's that's the only reason why why Brighton challenged because they really weren't. They were very strong in this fixture. I think it's incredibly promising. Um, Mel Phillips um, kind of coming coming into to management at Brighton. They've had real issues this season. They do not have a bad squad. I think they've had they've just really struggled with kind of a, a turnover in management, and that's where their kind of key issues have come from. But I think we're definitely going to see at the end of the season a kind of turnaround in um, in performances uh, for them. And they were strong throughout the fixture. So I'm sure they'll feel aggrieved that they weren't able to make anything of this game. But it was almost a fairy tale finish for Rachel Williams in the 89th minute. Um, Emily, do you think that she has been a signing that has been able to cinch these wins for Manchester United? Do you think that's a real positive thing that uh, Mark Skinner added, added her to the team, especially with the amount of criticism that the club received when they signed her um, over the summer? Yeah, I think so. I think sometimes you it's about biding time, isn't it? And like you say, there was that criticism over the summer, but I think now you're seeing that signing really, really come to fruition. Um, Mark Skinner's a, a quality manager, head coach, whatever sort of title you want to put on there, really. And, and I think you're seeing that now. And I, and I think just going back to the, the points made earlier, I think you, I know they've got quality players and they've got cash and, you know, a very, very good side. But actually, you probably shouldn't underestimate what a big achievement it is because for so long, I guess, we've had the same two or three names in finals and to have someone else, I appreciate the fairy tale would have probably been Brighton to get there is really, really good and and, and he's just brilliant for the game, I would say. Going back to what Dan was saying about the, the run of fixtures and Mary Earps maybe looking like she potentially needs a rest for a game. Mark Skinner was really playing down, getting through to the final at Wembley because they are playing Arsenal on Wednesday, which is going to be a huge fixture for both Manchester United's hopes of clawing on and staying in um, for that kind of first place position or or making top four as well because the top four is it, making top three because the top four is so tight. Um, when you're getting to this point in the season, do you see that the, the, the class of the players is that they can carry on playing? playing through the, these like a special fixture congestion times um, or do you think that our Arsenal's class is going to kind of outsee Manchester United even though it was just announced before we came on and recorded this podcast today that Kim Little will now be out for the rest of the season with a with an injury yeah I think to be honest I, th- I think in these big games I think home advantage is huge and I think we've seen it in in some of the other games that we've seen throughout the season I think Chelsea against City and you know, there's been a few games. Obviously, City have done well against the likes of Arsenal and and Chelsea at home as well. So I think home advantage and that home support counts for a lot. Um, I think it'll be a tough game. I think it's a hard one to call on on Wednesday night, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I think you know it will be extra demand on the players. The players are obviously full time now, and you know they're getting fitter. Um, I just think thinking specifically about Mary. I think obviously she's had some kind of ghosts in the past with some of the goals that she's conceded and 
you know, she, maybe the, those have come back to haunt her a little bit in the last couple of weeks. And in her case, it might not do her kind of any harm to kind of step back for a game. But it, it's too, it's potentially too big a game to throw Sophie Bagley into it because she hasn't had enough game time this season. So, yeah, it's a, it's a dilemma for Mark. But I think, you know, as a club, I think they can give Arsenal a real good game. And, you know, there's a lot on the line for both clubs. But, um, yeah, it's, it's going to take some careful management, I think. We're saying all this like Mary Epps didn't pull off some quite... To be fair, it was, it was a great goalkeeper performance from both goalkeepers. Lily Williams had a great game. And apart from the mistake, um, Epps did actually pull off some really good saves, especially in the second half. So that just kind of um, talks about how, how good it is when we have goalkeepers who actually have goalkeeper training. And, then, and they're pulling off these excellent saves and it's things that we love to see. But as we go on to talk about the other semi-final that was on Sunday, which saw Villa hosting Chelsea with a packed out Poundland Bescott Stadium with 500 travelling fans from Chelsea, which is really brilliant to see on a Sunday afternoon. It was Sam Kerr's goal, who else, which ultimately decided it Emily, it didn't really tell the whole story, though, did it? Villa really kind of gave Chelsea a scare. Do you think that they deserve to get something from this fixture? Or do you think Chelsea's ability to just put a goal in the back of the net really just kind of won it for them? Yeah, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because I think, you know, it was one of those valiant efforts and Villa probably come away from it feeling a little bit despondent and, and thinking what might have been. But... To your point, I think you've got a Chelsea side there that are used to winning. They're almost a bit of a winning machine, really, aren't they? And I think there are times where you just have to get the job done and those top players are able to do that. And and that's probably what, what you saw at the weekend. I think it's a difficult atmosphere to play in, in the sense that you go away from home, albeit, as you say, backed by a really big um, travelling contingent. And I think... Yeah, it it is a valiant effort from Villa, probably in the same way as Brighton, really. But I guess you've just got that quality shining through and that ability to dig in and and get the result that you need, which I suppose we also have to remember that we are at the back end now of of a long season as well. It's a difficult one um, with Aston Villa in their performance because I did sit down and watch watch the whole of this game. Um, And you know Chelsea have the quality to be able to whip a ball in and, and allow allow themselves not to have possession, allow most of the traffic to be going towards their goal and still be able to see out wins of this ma- match. I would actually really love to see the XG statistics um, from Villa because even the chances that they did have, it felt like they were trying to go for anything. It felt really scrappy. They didn't feel like composed enough. You could even see that in the passing action um, as they were kind of moving the ball forward. They were trying to push it down the right um, for Alicia Lehman. Um, and after the first five minutes, it was so clear that that's what they were attempting to do throughout the game that it kind of became quite stale. You were having players like Jordan Nobbs passing into space, expecting a, a player to be there there when they were doing really good progressive attacking play and there just wasn't really it didn't come of anything because there wasn't really there they anyone there they didn't know where they were going to be positionally and I think that's kind of the key difference um, between a team like Villa and kind of the class of Chelsea even though Chelsea are struggling so much in injuries at the moment Dan is the gap still too big or is it positive that we're saying that realistically Villa had the lion's share of possession and also chances it's just a shame they couldn't put them away I think firstly you can never write Chelsea off, can you? I think we thought it was going to be a tough game. What was it a fortnight ago? And they went and ran out three nil winners, and you kind of thought, well, you know, that's a bit of an eye catching result. And then even yesterday, you kind of thought it, it's probably less of a shock if Villa win, given the whole Buchanan and Bright 
situation and you know Chelsea go and do what Chelsea do and they just showed their their class and their know how to get the result. But you know Villa are getting closer without a doubt. Um, I think they're an exceptional team. I think Carla's done a great job this year. She's put brought in some real good footballers. They're not just kind of scrapping around for experience now. They're they're bringing in world class internationals. You look at the likes of Daly and Nobbs, and you know she's doing a really really good job and. You know, the the challenge is very much, you know, when a team finishes fifth, how do they then push on to fourth? Because that's where, you know, we've seen the likes of Spurs and, you know, such like in the last few years struggle to then kick on the next level. But I think they're making all the right noises, Villa. And yeah, I think if you play this fixture again next year, I think, you know, maybe it'll be the time that they can finally get a really good result against Chelsea. Yeah, I think it was really indicative of of the belief that they had that they could actually pull something from this result, as Carla Ward said it in the post-match, but how gutted the players looked. There's a brilliant photo that's been um, floating about on social media of all of the, well, after the final whistle went, one Chelsea player walking through all of the Aston Villa players who were like crouched down, cowering on the floor because it's it was so painful that they did actually lose. You're not if a team is expecting to lose a game, you're not going to have that like visceral reaction at, at the end to it. Um, also, just shout out to Carla Ward. Um, we were, when we were planning this podcast today, um, producer Luke and I were saying how fantastic she looked and how she kind of looked like a Bond villain with her lovely grey jacket with her popped up collar um, and turtleneck. And we said that we should point it out because it was very nice fashion. It was very Casey Stoney-esque and we love to see that sort of... Th- we, I love it when... This is across the game anyway. I love it when um, managers dress up when you get an important game and get out of their tracksuits and put their suits on. So she looked awesome. More importantly, though, um, it's United versus Chelsea on Sunday, the 14th of May. I'm going to go around everyone. How do you think you see the fixture going? Dan, go first. Chelsea. I just think Chelsea have been there. They've done it. I think United probably need the experience of a cup final and you know everything that comes with it to kind of give them that kind of knowledge of how to win a game next time round. But yeah, I think, you know, Chelsea know what it's like to go to Wembley final. They they know what it's like to be successful on the day. So yeah, for me, it's a Chelsea win. Jahan, give me, give me some pearls of wisdom. You know, I'm, I'm, I always like the underdog and obviously I don't want to call Man United the underdogs, but um, I, 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 as a football fan, I I want them, you know, to win uh, the FA Cup, but I, I would not be surprised, you know, realistically, if Chelsea were to get yet another FA Cup win. Go on, Emily, top it off for me. I would love to say something different, but I have to agree with the guys there. I think I think it would be tight. I think similar to that that game that Chelsea had at the weekend, it will be difficult. Um, there won't be much in it, but I just think with that experience and that sort of nous really of how to win big games on big stages, Chelsea will, will edge it. Heading on to the games that I don't even think are, are were arguably more exciting. They were just more exciting um, this weekend. The championship is hotting up to the max. So the story so far is that Bristol City remain in pole position. They're now six points clear of London City and seven clear of Birmingham City. Bristol City won 5-0 thanks to two first half goals. From Shania Hales. This was added to after the break by Ella Powell, Jasmine Bull, and Abby Harrison. London City lost 1 0 down at St Mary's as Kate Wilkinson's strike seven minutes from time saw them victorious. 
Birmingham City were involved in a topsy-turvy game down in South London as they eventually won 4-2 away at Crystal Palace. Jade Pedock, Claudia Walker and Louise Quinn had the Blues 3-0 up just after 15 minutes, but Coral Jade Haynes and Molly Sharp had reduced the deficit by half, but Walker added her second to ease the nerves. London City are a bit inconsistent, but Birmingham aren't out of it. They're seven points behind... Bristol City and they have a game in hand which they're going to play against Durham on Wednesday. Shahan, how do you see it all going? Well, Chess, I mean, um, for, for the fans and also for the neutrals, yeah, this is an exciting end to the championship season and I think it just shows, you know, how much progression and excitement that the championship has now had uh, in the last couple of seasons and yeah, you, I am here as a Bristol City supporter and you know, it's for us, there's only two games left to go. And realistically, I would hope that the title will be wrapped up this Sunday uh, in front of at least 4,000 supporters at a time of recording uh, in our game against Charlton. And, but yeah, of course, um, I, like other supporters, I, I kind of forgot that Birmingham had a game in hand and that they're playing Durham um, in their rescheduled game this Wednesday, as well as playing them again this Sunday. Um, I think I've said before on another podcast or, or when I've been asked before, it is Bristol City's league to lose. And considering our game yesterday against Sunderland was the early kickoff, which um, me and my friends from the um, DM and that on the, from the Vixen cast, we watched at a half 12 kickoff. And then because that was the early kickoff, there was no other games happening. So we had to wait until the other results. And then when our game finished, well, our game finished 5-0 and then we saw Southampton London City was 0-0 at the time. We were just, you know, in our heads, just rooting for Southampton to win, which is not something we would usually say. Um, but thankfully, they did with the K- Katie Wilkerson goal at the very end, and then by the time the our game ended, of course, but we had Birmingham were three nil up, and then we heard that Crystal Palace got two two goals back uh, at halftime. So we thought, oh, this would be an interesting second half and end. Dan, has there been any kind of standout um, player or um, club for you this season in the championship, especially as it has been kind of so like such a charge to the top for, for a couple of teams and, and a few really have, have seemed in it? Is there anyone who's really stood stood out for you and who you think will kind of would, would work well if they continue to play either in the championship or coming up into the WSL? I think, first of all, you've got to look at the coaches. I think Lauren Smith's done a fantastic job at Bristol. When she came in, she had absolutely virtually nothing to work with and she had to put a new squad together. Um, I think, obviously, Shania Hills has done superbly well this year, so I'd look forward to seeing her in the Super League next year if if they get there. Um, London City have obviously had a change of coach. They've got a lot of talented players there. Um, You know, Birmingham are still in there coming out of absolutely nowhere. They've got a lot of players who played in the top flight and, you know, they have a point to prove. So, um, yeah, I think Shania Hills is the one that I'd like to see in the top flight. But, um, you know, let's talk a a bit of a game for next weekend, I suppose. You know, you've got London City playing the bottom two. They need to get the goal difference up and win both. You've got Birmingham who need to beat Durham twice. It's difficult to beat them away. So, stats would say they drop points and... Bristol City have won one from seven at Ashton Gate. So again, stats again would say that they would drop points. So let's not also forget that I think Blackburn drew nil-nil with London City at their place earlier in the season. So it looks like it's nearly done, but who knows? Um, you know, I'm sure that some of the teams are going to drop points before the um, the end of the season. 
Uh, yeah, and as Diane was mentioning just then about the goal difference, like the scoring five goals yesterday and also keeping the clean sheet um, was rather ideal in that scenario. Um, to be honest, I, I don't think many Bristol City supporters were expecting a 5-0 win. Um, obviously, a team against Sunderland who have nothing to play for in the championship, they're, they're safe from relegation. But yeah, I, I mean, other supporters, we, we were just happy with it being 2-0 at halftime. Um, and it was great to see... Um, Ella Powell get her first ever Bristol City goal on her 50th appearance for the club. And also Jasmine Ball get, getting her first ever goal for Bristol City. Um, and the and the photo that was shared by the club of, of her goal celebration with her being in the tiny bottom left-hand corner, which has somewhat become a bit of a meme or hopefully will become a bit more of a meme, you know, by the time this episode comes out. And of course, Abby House again, a goal um, at the very last minute, you know, with an assist from Tiana Tizer. Um, Housen hasn't scored as many goals as she has last season, but she's been more of a team player, and I think she's been playing different positions. And as Lauren Smith said in the fans forum that happened last month, um, Abby yeah, is keen to play in different positions, and I think even said a uh, uh, joker should be end, end up playing centre back a, a one game, which hasn't happened yet. But <laughs> she can be the Rachel Daly of the Championship. Um, <laughs> no, oh. I, I think I think it's really indicative, especially for um. For that player that she's she's doing so well with Scotland as well. Um, yeah, and, think... and it's it's funny you mentioned that because yeah, she wasn't even called up to the latest Scotland squad. Um, but another thing I will say about the Sunderland Bristol City game yesterday was it was congrats to Grace McCatty, former Bristol City player, on reaching 100 appearances for Sunderland and wearing the captain's armband yesterday. Definitely. Onto the national league, though in the north. In the north, a title race is developing there as well. Nottingham Forest missed the chance to pull clear as they could only draw to Brighouse. Burnley move to within two points as they won 2-1 away at West Bromwich Albion. A Wolves could only draw 0-0 at home to Derby County. Dan, it's all going down to the wire, isn't it? Can you give us any lovely pearls of wisdom about what's going on here? No. <laughs> it's wide open. It's a really good league. And I think the Southern Division is the same. Um, I've got to say well done for what's going on at Burnley because obviously they've had managerial changes there and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think if they win their game in hand, which I think is a very tough game, um, they can go top. But yeah, I think they've got Jay Bradford in there who's obviously been there and done it with Coventry United and kept them in the championship as well. So, you know, they've got a good structure. Wolves are in the playoffs last year. Forrest are improving year on year. So, um. Yeah, it's uh, it's really exciting. It's what you want as a fan, but it gets back down to the promotion um, argument and the fact that, you know, the champion from the Southern or Northern is going to get promoted. You're not going to get both, which, you know, just doesn't sit right. So, yeah, yeah. that title's going to be won by somebody, but is promotion going to be won by them? I always sound like a broken record when we're talking about this because I think that there definitely needs to be a wider, there needs to be wider conversation about the promotion and relegation um, places uh, for both the National League coming up and also into the Championship and the WSL as well. I think we've been really lucky this season, just lobbing it back to the WSL, that we're realistically, there's about four four teams that could still, if results do or don't go people's way, get, get relegated. But a lot of the time by about mid-February, you kind of know who's going down. And so you see a lot of teams kind of pull up and look to kind of improve on next season and players not really kind of not giving it their all, which doesn't make it as exciting. So I think it would benefit everyone if there was kind of more of a more of a chance uh, for relegation and promotion as well. 
because that's what we want is positive a, a movement going up and down Shahan I'm sure you have a you have an opinion on this too being someone who supports the team who has been relegated but it's also looking at being promoted as well um so ha- what's your thoughts on on the tier system um in, re- in regards to my thoughts yeah I think well first of all I think there should be more expansion first in the WSL and the championship you know expanded from the 12 leagues and have more than one team get promoted and relegated uh, from those leagues and as for the national league and onwards yeah I don't think there should be a playoff final I I don't think you know I think based on the current system I think the winners of both the national league north and south should be promoted because yeah it's very unfortunate what happened to Wolves last year you know they obviously won the national league north and then of course lost to Southampton in um the playoff final um obviously speaking of promotion one thing I forgot to say earlier was I, I saw the tweet from uh, Kelly Simmons of the FA saying, you know, if the results go the way this week on Wednesday and on Sunday, that the trophy lift and medal presentation will indeed happen at Ashton Gate this Sunday. That's very exciting. Very exciting. <laughs> Just to go on to the National League South before we before we wrap it up. Um, down at the South, it is equally as tight as five points separate the top four. Uh, Portsmouth are the team in fourth as they lost at home to Oxford United. Uh, Watford are in second, a point behind them as they won 2-0 at home to London Bees. And Ipswich are level on points in third as they won 2-0 away at MK Dons. Dan, Oxford is in pole position, point clear with a game in hand. Do you think it's theirs? I think the ones below have got to play each other, I think. Um, so that's going to throw things up a little bit. But yeah, Oxford have obviously been in the second tier before. They dropped out, I think, when they did the rebrand a few years back. So they'll be keen to get back. Um, I think Watford are obviously, they've gone down and credit to them. They've stabilised and, you know, they're pushing promotion now. And I think in the case of Ipswich, obviously they were so close last year, you know, mentally, can they, can they overcome that barrier and, you know, win it this time and get to the playoff final? So... Again, I'm not going to pick a winner out of them, no way. But, um, you know, I, th- I think there's some strong clubs. And, you know, as I say, I think credit to Watford, I think, you know, to, to drop out and then to stabilise after what happened to them on the final day of last season, they've done they've done really, really well. Over to midweek games, though, we mentioned it before. At Lee Sports Village, Manchester United are hosting Arsenal. This is going to be a huge fixture for both who the people who are trying to win the WSL title or stay in those Champions League positions. Emily, how do you see the game going? Arsenal have had time to rest and get ready for the fixture. Manchester United have had a tough semi-final, although it was clear that Mark Skinner was attempting to rest players like Lucia Garcia and also Alessia Russo. Who's your winner? Do you think it's going to be a tight one? Yeah, I definitely think it's going to be a tight one. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily want to call a winner, but I guess what I could say, I I think it it works both ways, doesn't it? Obviously, United have had this really, really tough game, um, maybe a little bit tougher than they thought it was going to be. Arsenal have had a rest, but then in some respects, everyone at Man United is pretty buoyed at the moment. They're in a final. There's a lot of excitement. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a really, really tough one to call. I also think as well there is something to be said about being the chaser rather than the chased. I think when you're at the top and you're looking over your shoulder, I think that can sometimes be where nerves kick in. Maybe it's a little bit what we're seeing in the Premier League at the moment with Arsenal. You're at the top, you know, sort of looking looking behind you. But, no, really, really tough to call. Um, but I guess if I was put on the spot and had to had to say, maybe I'll go go with Arsenal for this one, I think. 
Ah, Emily, not the answer I was looking for, but but still, I respect it. I respect it. it's all journalistic, all journalistic opinion, isn't it? And I have to put my allegiances aside. But I I think it's going to be a, it's definitely going to be a tough test for Manchester United, especially after that game um, at the weekend because it was it was long. I think they're just lucky that it didn't go to extra time in the end. But that is it. Many thanks to Emily, Dan, and Shahan. Thank you so much all of you for coming on today don't forget to subscribe to the podcast via all good podcasting platforms and give us a follow on twitter at twfp1 and on instagram at the women's football podcast have a great week everyone